I'm Nathan Trainer, and this is Nathan Out Loud. My pronouns are he, him, his. In this episode of Nathan Out Loud, we welcome Megan Stabler back to the show. Megan is a highly experienced business executive and prominent political advocate and activist. She currently serves as vice president of global product marketing and communications for Big Commerce, one of the world's leading e-commerce companies. Megan was appointed to the DNC Platform Standing Committee in January of 2020 by Chairman Tom Perez. And in 2019, Megan became the first transgender member of Planned Parenthood's National Board of Directors, serving on both the Planned Parenthood Federation and Action Fund boards. Here is my recent conversation with Megan Stabler. Welcome back to Nathan Out Loud, Megan Stabler. When we first spoke uh, on the second episode of the season, we discussed having a post-election recap. So here it is. Post-election recap, not a post-election recount. Yes. That's the important I think those are all done, aren't they? Uh, You know what? Let's not count all our blessings. Yeah, knock on wood. Well, because it's been recounted (laughs) four times what in Michigan or Wisconsin. Right. So, yeah, let's let's count our blessings, but let's be wary of more frivolous actions um, that may happen. Yeah. Well, and for somebody who hates losing so badly, to want to lose four times in Michigan and four times in Pennsylvania and four times in Georgia, they're just a lack of reality. Well, I, I go beyond it. I say it's a lock, lack of reality. It's a, a lack of normalcy. And mm-hmm. it's also a lack of sanity, to be honest with you. And it's, you know, there's, there's the phrases of clutching at straws that comes to mind. And you're right. I mean, it is about the reality of losing. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, is the converse of the reality of losing is the fact that he's still clinging at those straws. And it's really ruining our democracy. That's my biggest concern. It's not just for now. I think it's going forward. There's a lot that has to be. I know the Biden campaign is using the word united, but it's got to be healed, right? We've, we've got a lot of soul searching in American politics, in American society, in American civility that, that has to come from this. And I think we're going to take a, I think it's going to take a very long time before that happens. Yeah, I agree. I saw a poll yesterday, I think it was, that like 88% of Trump supporters think that he actually won the election or that it was rigged against him. How do you come back from that? Uh, I think that's the question, isn't it? How do you come back from it? It's going to be over time. He sowed those seeds of doubt months and months and months before the election was going to happen, right? He said if Mm -hmm. he didn't win, it was definitely going to be a rigged election. So He's sown it, and unfortunately, the the sheeple, the diehard Trumpsters that are believing in him for some reason, but not realizing that the reality of the Trump administration has really been more harmful and detrimental to, I believe, the Republican values. I mean, it's it's certainly helped the billionaires and millionaires that are out there, but what what has actually been accomplished for small America? And I don't mean small-minded, but I mean... You know, I don't know where you've traveled across the U.S. in your past, but, you know, five years ago, I did a road trip um, with some folks through the South, right, from 
from Texas to Louisiana to Mississippi, Alabama, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see what has happened or has been happening and continues to happen in America. And then I go back to when I first arrived in America in, in 1990 and was on road trips going through West Virginia and the former coal towns and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So my question really, Nathan, is what what are they believing in? What what, right. what was the hope that they had, right? Because he, he did come out at the very beginning of his campaign in 2015, 2016, right? All, all around helping them. And I remember all the coal miners and coal right. mining towns and stuff, but the, the, the empty promises. And, and when will they... When would they when would they heal from the fact that somebody sort of came into their town, hitched up, and started to sell snake oil? And yeah. and that's what they've had. There hasn't, in my mind, been any real value from the administration. Oh, I, I completely agree. And every you know every corrupt action that was revealed, every you know broken promise, every Every time he lied, which was 25,000 times over the course of four years, I wondered what it was going to take. I think this election proved, you know, showed that as long as he's around, nothing is going to change their minds. I mean, 70 million people voted for him after four years of chaos, lies, and corruption. Yeah, so the question is, what what were they voting for him for? What did they see was either evaporating from the U.S. as a moral compass that they needed to get back to as far as guiding principles, right? What, what were the key things that he did? He stacked the federal courts, right, often with people that had little to zero credibility and experience in sitting on a federal court. And those are lifetime appointments, yeah, he did manage to, with the complicity of the Republican Senate, block Merrick Garland and get his Supreme Court nominees and picks in the Supreme Court. But is that the legacy? Right? There was nothing else, right? right. Now he's opened up, you know, the Alaska for for drilling and everything else. And but but what you know, please tell me what is his legacy other than this sort of robust right-leaning religious block in the federal court. Cause, cause I have a hard time figuring out what it is. And if you, if somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, he, he's cleaned up regulations. He's removed a lot of regulations. Well, what does that, what does that truly mean? Well, okay. So now you can go dump chemicals in your streams and your rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're happy for that for your grandkids and for, for the world or not even the world, but for, for your own country to, to be a swampy mess of pollution. So what else has he done? I mean, I, I, I seriously, other than the harm he has done and everything from immigration, DACA, civil rights all the way through, I, I have a really hard time in saying to some of my Republican friends, and yes, I have them, tell me what the value was in a Trump administration. How has it progressed America for the good? I, I just... Right. So I, I don't know. The, the question you asked was, you know, how long is it going to take? I, I don't know. And I, I worry about 2024 and the elections. I worry about the, the next set of midterms in 2022. 
um, because if everything is blocked on the Biden administration or even appointments for the Biden administration <clears throat> by the Senate, and that's why the Georgia runoff is so important to us right now to get as Democrats, if things start to be blocked, then we're basically in a quagmire until 2024 and the next election. And who knows if, if he's going to run and his sheeple will continue to follow him. Right. Yeah, I saw something yesterday that he will probably announce before the end of the year his intention to run for president in 2024, which... But don't believe it. Let's, let's, <laughs> not, let's not believe it's that a, that stuff is going to happen, right? All he exactly. wants to do is continue to have a spotlight on him. So yep. whatever it is, right? And um, continue the grift. Continue to have, you know, the rallies and the, you know, selling the merchandise and being able to live off of campaign donations, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but, so. but, but, but also he's going to have to live in the vein of... And that's maybe something for us to talk about is, you know, do, do, does the new Department of Justice look at and investigate and if crimes are being committed, prosecute Trump and his cohorts? Um, and, and, and is that ever going to put a ding on him that would, would hold back one of those 70 million supporters he's got from voting for him in 2024? And I don't even know if he would stand in 2024. I mean, I, right. I have a gut suspicion that he's saying he's going to do that to raise the campaign funds, as you mentioned, but it's going to be a Don Jr. that actually runs. Yeah. Well, as he has proven, as the last four years have proven, we never know what's going to happen from day to day. <laughs> so uh, It's not from day to day. It's from Twitter, Twitter hour message to hour. To, yeah. Twitter message <laughs> to Twitter message. That's what it is. Exactly. So we have a President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, which Huzzah. still gives me goosebumps <laughs> when I say it. And one of the things that we can look forward to from them is them doing what they say they're going to do and they're not being this constant barrage of lies and misinformation and corruption. And I know that you have been uh, active in... Uh, working you know, with the campaign and, and since then. Uh, what has your role been uh, with the transition? Uh, it, honestly, it's been very limited. I mean, after the platform work that, that we did, it's it's been recommending some executive orders mm -hmm. um, and first 100-day um, actions that then President Biden and Vice President Harris can go ahead and do. Um, a lot of those are to peel back the bad executive orders that Trump and his administration have done that were put in place by that administration to pull back all the good stuff that the Obama-Biden administration had put in place. So mm -hmm. really, the, really the work back then, and this was you know over the couple of months post um, the DNC convention itself was to make sure there was a cohesive list of of executive actions that could be done by the new administration and you know there are lots of other organizations that have done that too we were working directly with the the biden administration or the, the incoming biden administration to get things laid out but there's also um, a, a ton of recommendations that pretty much mirror what we put in in place from the human rights campaign from the victory fund and from our other organizations 
in the LGBTQ community, as well as many others, Planned Parenthood, etc. There are suggestions, right? Whether or not the administration goes ahead and executes on any of those things, it's totally up to the incoming administration to, to go ahead and do that. But at least they have a, a game plan or a roadmap, however you want to think of it, or a task list to go ahead and put some things in place. Right. Um, what would be on the top of your first 100 day list? Well, obviously being trans, my first one is to make sure that the um, ability for anybody who wants to serve in our military um, can be done regardless of their gender identity. So um, a lot of those things are to pull back um, some of the stuff that happened with regards to transgender military service. Um, other things are access to healthcare, affordable healthcare protections, not just for the general society, but also for LGBTQ individuals. Um, other things that are in there around criminal justice reform, especially for uh, trans issues, and then taking it one step um, down is, is about trans women in, in, in color and other minorities that are often hardest hit in the criminal justice system. And I don't, I don't mean the actual you have been jailed system, but I mm-hmm. really mean how law enforcement interacts with people on the street and the training that's needed, how um, an attorney, a prosecutor... Um, then interacts with that individual, um, you know, training for our, you know, judicial system, um, training for, for others that interact in, in the prison system as well. So it's trying to make sure that people are seen and not ignored and also, um, you know, you, you are still innocent until proven guilty and therefore, in my view, you should be um, respected going forward. So a lot, a lot of stuff for LGBTQ stuff, um, a lot of things around criminal justice reform that, that have been put in. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, we see you say innocent before being proven guilty. A lot of people are guilty for being trans. And that mm-hmm. is, you know, not only, as you say, on the streets, interacting with police, but the access that they have to you know, representation. And then in the event that they are incarcerated, you know, what population they are incarcerated with, there's just so much that goes into that. And as we know, the current justice department has not done anything to, Mm -hmm. to protect that population. So um, I'm really happy to hear that that is on the, you know, on the list of, of things that they're considering yeah, there's that. And, and also things for, um, you know, trans access, military access to healthcare as well. That's, mm-hmm. that's important and often denied, um, not often denied, but can be denied as well um, because of the lack of standardization and training around the VA as well. So there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of stuff that really try and pay respect to people. Um, and, and, and I'd probably say I hope that a lot of it just brings morality back, right? A, a sense that wherever you sit on the spectrum of far right, far left, right? Um, we play by the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have un, done, done to you. And, and that still should be true in the criminal justice system as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I feel, I, I know I've heard a quote somewhere that society can be judged by how we treat the lowest common denominator in our society, you know, how we treat those who are incarcerated, how we treat, you know, uh, people who undocumented uh, immigrants and, and things like that. And sadly, the f- past four years, that's 
not a very, very good reflection of who we are as a society. Right. And I think that's why President-elect Biden calls it, a, you know, a North Star when he talks about some things, when he was talking about it from the campaign stage, and he also, you know, talks about it now is, you know, what is our North Star as Americans? And I mm -hmm. think we lost it under the Trump administration. I don't know what it was. White supremacy is not a North Star. It's not a guiding star for us, right? Um, me to have and you to have not is not a a guiding star. It's not a North Star that we should have. So, you know, some people are born into privilege and I get it. A lot of people are not. And it, mm -hmm. it should be up to those of us that have a heart um, to also think about the others, right? And to lift them up. Um, it's this struggle for civil rights that has gone on for, for centuries um, for, you know, we will call it equality. I'll just call it equity, right? Mm -hmm. just, just an equal chance. And it permeates all the way down, even into the school system. And, and that's, you know, the destructive nature of the Betsy DeVos education system as well, right? It, it isn't about parochial schools and private schools and making sure that they have everything that they need. It is really helping the inner city schools and the charter schools to who, who have the kids who need the help the most, who also have a brain that is capable of amazing things, whether it's curing cancer or, you know, getting to Mars, you know, they have, meaning the kids, they have the same opportunity need to have the same opportunities because they have the same capabilities as others if they yeah. get the chance to have them so you know that's why i talk more about equity than pure equality is because we need to look to others these are they're our future and the tapestry of color in america is changing and mm -hmm. it shouldn't be the exclusion of some it should be the inclusion of all to make this country you know truly what it aspires to be yeah, very true. Very well put. Um, so I want to go back to Saturday, November 7th, and that night when President-elect Joe Biden stood in front of the country and thanked transgender people. The first time that a president-elect has ever mentioned that community, your community, our community, in a, in a victory speech. How did, how did you make, how'd that make you feel? Great. I mean, we knew he was there anyway because we've been on enough Zoom calls and other things with him anyway, and and you know a number of us have had the chance to 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 meet him over the years, um, and understand his heart and his compassion. I, I first met him uh, two thousand twelve, two thousand. Well, I, I mean, I, I was in the same room as him for, for inauguration. So let me put it this way. The inaugural mm -hmm. balls with Obama in the same room as him and Dr. Jill. But I physically first really met him. I think it was 2012, 2013, when a good friend of mine, you probably know him, Wally Brewster, was uh, nominated and confirmed as uh, an ambassador. And we were in D.C., Biden was there as vice president swearing in Wally, um, you know, and little reception afterwards. We had a chance to meet. Um, and then since then met him a, a number of other times, including the chance to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with him, very short amount of one-on-one -on -one time, but one-on-one -on -one time with him um, and literally talk about trans issues. And his 
comment was, I'm there with you. I'm with you. Um, and included a hug and it, it mm. included, I see you. And, you know, you to have a vice president. Yeah. I'd already, you know, had it and had my time with um, Barack Obama and, and Michelle, but have a vice president say, I'm here with you um, was very empowering. So on November 7th, when he said those words and obviously for transgender day of remembrance, he also mm-hmm. um, put out a tweet and a statement for transgender Day of remembrance. It's just important. It's important for those to aspire to in the same way that it's important for young girls like my daughter to see Kamala Harris as vice president elect, right. And mm-hmm. see that she could be that person too, for, for lack of a better word and look up to him just as the same way that um, I'm big into space. I'm big into, you know, SpaceX and what they're doing right mm-hmm. now. And to see the commentators that they have actually talking about, you know, dragon and doing all the things that are going into space where the commentators on the screen are all female as well talking about it and my kid can sit and watch and see right mm-hmm. and 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 be that and the same for trans people and it's, it's important not necessarily for me as an older trans person um but more i think for the younger generation to to really see that it's part of the common vernacular it's something that is going to be in the lexicon of of life nowadays and respected and noted and knowing joe he'll probably surround himself with some really cool trans people i mean his his go-to person has been for a very long time um through his son uh, when he was attorney general unfortunately obviously he passed but um sarah mcbride um mm-hmm. being out there in delaware and the relationship of knowing sarah before and sarah after and and understanding her success and what she's now brought to the table as a, as a Senator for the state of, of Delaware at a state level Senator and stuff. So he's been around the circles and he mm-hmm. gets it. He gets that we're not icky and that we're just the same as everybody else. So right. in some really pleased about November 7th, I'm, I'm actually more excited that, that the administration just wants to correct the ills of the Trump administration for trans people and make the daily lived lives better, including access to school. And, you know, we'll have to do some things around making sure that kids uh, based on their gender identity can use the bathrooms based off of that and be included in sports. So there's, there's work still to be done, but we have an administration that can, can lean behind it and push. Yeah, certainly. Um, what have you, you know, seeing who he hit, will be nominating for, you know, various cabinet positions and, and other high level positions. What, um, how does that make you optimistic about what the next four years is going to look like? Well, I can neither confirm or deny that I will be part of the cabinet. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> you heard it <laughs> here first, people. That, that would have been easy for you to do, right? Um, but, but just look at it, just look at his first set of nominations, right? For, for, for cabinets and some secretaries, um, people with, qualifications, people with experience, and I think most importantly for all of us, people with diversity. Now, I, I am hoping and waiting that Mayor Pete Buttigieg um, mm-hmm. gets more of an authoritative type of role um, and, and not just sort of a, a secondary role. I'd love to see him as an openly gay cabinet member. Mm-hmm. I think you and I know that, that Trump's um, LGBT supporters and there were some quite a few um that supported trump um were enthusiastically pushing that rick grenfell had been both ambassador to u.s germany to to, to Mm -hmm. germany and then um uh part of the cabinet for a very short period of time 
I just hope that that Biden does look to the LGB and especially the T community and make some appointments. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully one at least at the cabinet level. And then you, you have everything else as far as secretaries or deputy secretaries. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, and it's not just tokenized. That's, that's right. I think, my key ask is that it's not the typical, oh, we're going to put a trans person into the civil rights division of the U.S. Department of Justice, and they're going to head up a small little unit, right? right. That, that, for me, is not the answer. It, it is making sure that we have qualified people from a technology footprint, from a small business um, footprint, um, so you know, SBA administration, commerce—you know—all of those types of areas is where I'd be looking at making sure that there are strong, solid LGBTQ people. And I'm also going to be looking for diversity, right? If it—I uh, hate to say it this way, Nathan—but if it turns out that all that gets appointed are white gay men, then yep. I think we'll have some uproar because the. I don't want to use the word, but the the bully pulpit of the president can also be a softening pulpit. It can be an empathetic pulpit for LGBT people who are often marginalized. So black trans women in tech, you know, put them in some leadership roles, put put some stuff going where everybody can contribute in some way, shape or form. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and and see what happens next. Uh, But the, the current appointments that he's made... Um, and there are going to be more, obviously, coming out in the next few days. I think are very solid for America's future. I think so too. And I saw, you know, little Marco on Twitter uh, sent out a tweet about how they're Ivy League people and people with strong resumes. I'm like, when did that be so? When did that become something that we don't want running our country? Well, I mean, they, they've all got to have their time on Twitter, right? They've all got to right. have their claim to fame. And what happened to you know, little Marco? as he was referred to by Trump, right? He's sort of insignificant now. Um, It's like Cruz is trying to be, you know, continue to be one of the weirdest folks in the U.S. Senate. Um, You've got outgoing um, racist Senator King, right? You know, there's there's weird people in politics. And unfortunately, we've also opened it up to others, right, to come into, into politics as well. We've got the QAnon. Um, person in the House of Representatives. So God knows what what's going to happen with with that person in right. Congress. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I'd rather have somebody who has experience and empathy and understanding of the world, the society, and the people that are around them than a billionaire oil executive who mm-hmm. is now put in state to be and go clear up, right? Or well, and people who are in positions of departments that they know how they run. I mean, they know how things should work in the State Department. They shouldn't, you know, I mean. Well, that's it. They're all, they're all former deputies, right? Yeah. So they're kind of second in command, but they've had the experience of, of going ahead and doing it. Um, and, you know, the the uh, the appointments that Trump has made in the last few weeks into some of the areas around defense, national security, and even into the pockets of the NSA, those mm-hmm. need to be unwound ASAP. Those people are right. cray-cray. Yep. And it's, it's not about saying, well, you know, you just want to take away everything that Trump has done and, and, and invested in. He hasn't invested in anything. He's put bad people in good places that absolutely have no credibility. And if, if you're in business, 
right? Do you want to work for somebody that is, is like that? Probably that person would not last long as a coworker if they're absolutely insane and incompetent, right? You want to hire the best people, the right people for positions based off of their experience or based off of the capabilities to go ahead and do something. And I sincerely believe many of these appointments by Trump are not those people. So right. I'd rather have competency than, than complacency. Yeah, for sure. Um, I saw a prediction, uh, you know, not one to talk about predictions, but let's do it anyway. Um, Nostradamus, Nathan. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Uh, Rachel Levine from uh, Pennsylvania um, is on the short list for uh, Surgeon General. And to have, you know, even, even that somebody, you know, a trans woman is mentioned as in consideration for a position of that level is a complete 180 from where we are now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that made me, you know, hopeful that there will be. Yes. Hopeful. But I mean, look, look at her, at her credentials Mm -hmm. before you judge. Right. So before you mentioned a trans person, right. People Mm -hmm. going, okay, okay. Sounds good. Now, now we mentioned trans person. Oh, well, mm-hmm. what does that mean, right? Before you do that, go look at her credentials. Go look at the work right. that she has been doing in the healthcare business for decades and her role in leadership on many of the issues that are out there. So, yeah, I mean, if, if she gets it, bloody fantastic. And if she doesn't, well, I hope she gets something similar in the administration because mm-hmm. she, is a, she is a career professional. Yeah, and I mean, look at the work that she's done in Pennsylvania around COVID, you know, I think that the, her leadership has prevented a lot of parts of Pennsylvania from becoming, you know, what New York city was in April, May. Yeah. Um, so taking that into consideration and like you said uh, earlier, not having it be, you know, a token uh, appointment. Uh, it's somebody that can stand on their credentials, can stand on their, their career. So. I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this plays out. I mean, remember, we, we are 57 days? Mm-hmm. I don't know how many it is until the inauguration, right? So there's going to be a lot more appointments and names thrown out there. And, and then even more once he really gets into office and can start putting the right people into places. So stay tuned. Yep. So what are you going to be secretary of? I'm going to be secretary of I'm going to be secretary of happiness and giddiness. Right? We're going to start, create a new cabinet level, create a new cabinet level position where you can do that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be secretary of scratchy stuff. I'm going to yeah. scratch, scratch away at the fake stuff that's been going on. Now, yeah. I, you know, I've, uh, I've limited desire to go into public office. I was... Uh, some people know this. So I'm sort of telling you, I think, for the first time. Um, earlier um, last year, um, I was in D.C. and was asked to consider running for Congress um, mm-hmm. for um, the area that I live in and, and was told that the numbers are good. Um, you'll probably get Williamson County, but work to do in Bell County, but... Um, I had a number of phone calls um, from different elected people trying to convince me. And I, I took about a month to think about it. And it's tough running for office, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is the lies and the hate. And it's the scraping away at your personal 
life and, and stuff. Um, and I'm a single parent. So mm-hmm. the other thing for me at the time was, you know, I can't fund myself and keep a family and do all these other things. Um, but I did seriously contemplate it. And I think that's the only time in my life I'm ever going to contemplate doing anything like that because I have more interest in helping get people elected that I think are solid people, uh, are really good people um, to represent the values, not just that I believe in, but but I believe are right for us as the United States of America. And so that's where my... my uh, my cabinet position is going to be. It's really just uh, making sure that we elect the right people, qualified people to office. So when we last spoke, I think uh, we mentioned the hard work begins on January 20th at noon and uh, One second. keeping, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, you know, we had, like you said, we have 57 days or something like that. Uh, what can people be doing uh, now and then starting on January 20th to hold the Biden-Harris administration accountable and also feel like they're being seen and heard and contributing to the healing that our country well, needs to yeah, see. Yes, so that's a very deep question, isn't it? Because I think that even with inside of the Democratic Party, we have the two extremes, right? Mm-hmm. We got the very far left, AOC and, and, and others, and then we have moderate Democrats. So I think it's continuing to raise the issues up based off of fact. If there's one real ask I have, to be honest with you, it's reach out to your Republican neighbors. Um, we are one America. We, we, we truly are. It, it, it is disheartening to, um, to see the division, the hate, and the animosity um, that can be caused through words and beliefs. Uh, I'm going to say indoctrination, um, whether on both sides or not. Um, so reach out. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure we talked about it last time. I have Republican neighbors on both sides of my my property here. You know, I live on a golf course, and I got a. I did get a text message um, from one of my neighbors um, because we all had signs up, and, and we're all you know busy trying to stump for either Republicans or, or others. And, you know, I got this from, from my neighbor. And if it's okay with you, I just, I just want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just want to get something off my chest that's been weighing heavy on my heart. Um, uh, for, for, and, and this is his words, so excuse me, because there are, there are grammatical errors. No, I'm not, not going to call him out <laughs> on this one. But also just want to get something off my chest that's been weighing heavy on my heart uh, for many, which I mean, I think he's seen this for, for a while. I, for a while, I think since our election signs... Um, we've acted differently, um, confused and hurt, to be honest. We both know each other's political affiliations, but we've always been friends and trusted neighbors. Um, just because I can't support what I feel are politicians that don't reflect my best interest doesn't make me any different a person than I've always been, nor you. I support you in anyone's decision on social issues. I won't go into some of the other stuff that he went through, but it's quite a lot. Um, and told me what he didn't support, but he said, you know, um, you are a beautiful person that I've always enjoyed talking with and being friends with. And I hope that doesn't change. And this was his final sentence to me. And my response was, Hey buddy, all good was off email messages this weekend as I have my kiddo, but let's get together soon and chat. And I think that message of, you know, 
his to me, which is you're a beautiful person. I've always enjoyed talking with and being friends with. And, and my message that was saying, hey, yeah, all's good. Let's go talk to people, right? Let's understand the viewpoints as to why they were coming with such ferocity against us or our perceived notion that they're against us. And let's try and find out what, what truly is going on here um, to heal the rift. And this, you know, to open up the original question you'd asked a while back, you know, how long is it going to take? And it's going to take more than just having uh, an inauguration on January 20th. It's going to take more than having somebody in office for a hundred days. It's going to take neighbor to neighbor conversations. It's going to take us, away from pitting Republican versus Democrat or even within our own party of the Democrats far left to moderate. It's going to take us literally having conversations with each other and recognizing the pain that we all went through. Cause I'm sure my neighbor doesn't understand the pain that we went through for the last four years. When as a member of the LGBT, LGBTQ community, we felt that everything was being stripped away from us. And trans people were seeing it in the twist. Trans people were seeing it, especially trans people of color, continued to get murdered. I think it's where 38 trans women of color now have been murdered this year so far. And, and, and we continue to feel the hate and the animosity. We're, still, we're gearing up in the state of Texas, ready for yet again another bathroom battle. Hmm. And I'd like my Republican neighbors, when I go testify and give my voice to Texas you know, state ledge, I'd like them to be with me and, and them to comment. And, and so let's try and find the middle ground. And I'd, I'd love to find out from my neighbors, you know, what are their concerns, right? I know some of them are probably Second Amendment rights, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I believe in the Second Amendment too. You know, what, what is the biggest concern? The biggest concern is that you can't have a, an AR-15 and 30 rounds in the magazine and because you need it to go duck shooting. I mean, that's not going to happen with them, but you know, what, what is, what is the biggest concern and how do we get away from the falsehoods, the false narratives that were spread throughout both campaigns sometimes, but more mm -hmm. so in the Trump campaign and get to reality that these are things that are not going to happen. You are not going to lose something. In fact, you're going to gain. So good question. And I wish there was an easy answer, but my only answer is we've got to talk and we also have to listen and hopefully find mutual ground that we all believe in respect and we believe in each other and hopefully we can come together around that depressing when you think about it but it's <laughs> we but no seriously but we got to that point in politics we got to that point in life where you know it pits neighbor against neighbor and sometimes mm. it pits family member against family member well for sure yeah right and so how do we get that back you know life yep. is too bloody short to be pitting family member against family member because you support something that I don't and I support something that you don't. Therefore, we're never going to go ahead and talk again. You know, it's, it's too short. And COVID mm -hmm. has shown that for people, right? You're not going to get a second chance. And so, you know, talk, listen, yeah. understand. Yeah, that's great advice. I, you know, you, you used the word indoctr indoctrination earlier. And I think that is one of the hardest things that I, that I struggle with. It's, you know, seeing people who I care about, people who I love, family, friends, uh, who have been indoctrinated to believe things that just simply aren't true. And 
have been, you know, fed a whole list of lies and trying to trying to navigate that and find a way to come through uh, in a way that there is a meaningful conversation um, without feeling like, you know, you both come out of it losers. Uh, and I think one of the main points that, you know, to echo what you said, listening is the way I think to come through that. Well, this, this listening, let me throw something that's going to be controversial. You know, I, I am, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You're controversial. Uh, yeah. Nah. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I sort of sat very quietly on the Facebook and the tech conversations that have been going on. Um, we're wrapped up in this first amendment, right? That you're allowed to say something that mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't really hurt or create some sort of violence or inclination to do violence against somebody, you're allowed to go ahead and say it. And these are social platforms that are covered by, is it a 230 rule or whatever it is, 260, 230 rule. And there, are, it's just a platform. You can say whatever you want. And now we started to see, hey, this claim hasn't been verified or this claim is proven to be right. We need to actually get firmer on it. And, and if you want to have a megaphone to spout your lies and falsehoods and conspiracy theories, you know, should that be allowed to spread on our social media platforms for people who are doing nothing but sitting at home, clicking on Facebook and reading through because they're already aligned with some sort of party or affiliation or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they just read the headline and see, oh, look, we've stolen the vote. We haven't stolen the vote, right? It's been proven it's not been stolen. There have been no claims that have been founded in fact that have come forward. But the media and even the broadcast media has allowed Giuliani and others, Ellis, to go up on TV and espouse falsehoods. Right. And then yes, they may fact check them later on in the news broadcast. But it's not something that is good for America. And I'll sort of say this as well. I actually watch a lot more international TV. I watch French news. Um, I watch British news and others. And the journalists there, the reporters there are journalists. They're mm-hmm. willing to sit face-to-face with somebody who's an elected politician and call them out and say, right. that's got no founding in fact, and, and argue with them because they've done the research. Even when you watch... Um, Chuck Todd or others that have been in the broadcast media for a long period of time, they ask the question, they get some BS answer, may do something or ask a secondary question that's a little lightweight, but then they go on to the next question. Right. So for me, news media is too much around, okay, I've got 18 questions that I'm going to ask Nathan right now. Let me pile through. Great. I, I, thank you for that answer, Nathan. Now let's go to number two. Okay, what do you think about this? Fantastic. Let's Let's get back to true investigative journalism and truth-telling. And I think the broadcast media, the radio, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and other social mediums have created where we are today. They created 2016, Mm -hmm. and it's got to change because otherwise this is going to continue to happen. And this is what brought sycophants, dictators to power in other countries because you're starting with somebody doesn't believe anyway, and you're just fueling that with more and more lies so they get wrapped up and then what happens they take to arms they take to violence on the streets and other things and they'll just never believe it how do we peel back and that's not a talk listen that's that that has to be really soul searching by many in the media um and, and i think it's important i think we've 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 lost our way unfortunately again because it's all wrapped up in first amendment speech 
and yep. and we can't get rid of the First Amendment. You should be allowed to, but facts need to be called out as wrong and then deleted, not just said this is a falsehood. I it agree. hasn't been verified. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Rant um, over. Yeah. <laughs> Take a breath. No, your rants are great. Um, the and you know you mentioned the First Amendment and people complaining about Twitter flagging things or you know Facebook removing posts and they are privately held. I mean, they're companies. They are public companies who are in it to make money. And, you know, they, they can make the rules for their company. Um, so I, it's, I always find those arguments to be incredibly convenient for the person making them. (laughs) Um, so I think that, yeah, I, I think in addition to the media, social media companies need to be doing doing better too. Well, that's how um, it down to soul searching, yep. right? Where is their soul and morals on this? And if it is just to make money for the investors, then we know what the answer is. That's corporate America. So. Right. And as individuals, we need to be soul searching to, you know, what are we putting out there? What information, oh. what, you know, how are we communicating with people and, and all of that? So yeah. I think, you know, takes that down to, to a personal level. Yeah. So, uh, what else do you have for me? I'm looking for more breaking news. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping I would hear uh, about a, a cabinet, cabinet appointment. Position. Yeah, yeah, no, but. no, no, <laughs> it's, it, it's not gonna be, I am happy doing what I do every day in the e-commerce business. Yep. You know, it's a, it's a growing, growing business. Totally happy with it. That's I, great. Love the, I love the company. I love the teams that I get to work with at Big Commerce every day. And that's honestly where my heart is. It, it, it is it is a vehicle that allows me to do the political work um, outside of company time and make my um, choices, investments, and conversations when I need to do it. But I, I'm happy not necessarily being on the sidelines, but I'm just sort of happy cheering from the stands on uh, political issues. And I think the only other thing I can say is, you know, roll on 2021. And I, I, I wish you and I hope you're going to have a, a great end of the year, despite what may be happening where you live and certainly where I am in Texas with rising cases of coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, the inability to see family sometimes, but we're going to get through it. And we're going to have an administration who takes the oath at uh, 120001 on the 20th of 2021 in January. Um that is going to start doing some good for all Americans and truly wants to do the unity that they've been talking about. It's, it's not a falsehood. It's not a, not a false claim. It is the truth. They want to bring all Americans together and and make sure that we continue forward as a good, great United States of America. Well, on that optimistic note, very we have, uh, <laughs> I, I too, am looking forward to it. And, you know, like I said, it still gives me, gives me goosebumps to think about a president elect Biden yeah. and president or vice president elect Harris. I think it's good days are to come. And I want to thank you for all the work that you have put into helping that happen and for your constant, you know, just working for the good of your fellow human beings. Uh, You, you are an example that we all could follow. 
Uh, so thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. There are plenty of people doing this. And I, I want to say what a pleasure it is to do a second call with you. Um, and because I'm on Zoom with you, I can see the length of your hair as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> clearly you haven't been out going out and getting a haircut. So. No, no haircut since February. So wow. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep that going. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll get it long enough to donate or something like that one of these days. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, you know what? In all seriousness, I look forward to seeing you in person soon. And uh, I do. I wish you a great Thanksgiving holiday and then uh, let's get through this covid get the uh, vaccines out there and, and make make america as uh, we like to say built back better so yes 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 and you know let's do a, a post-inauguration episode Perfect. we'll just kind of have to keep finding reasons to to keep this conversation going because well, it's always so great with you megan maybe we should do it when i'm actually there I do uh, actually do actually have plans to be there and a hotel booked. So all right, there you go. You'll be the the live Nathan Out Loud correspondent from the inauguration <laughs> 2021. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> all right, my friends, stay healthy, stay good. Great. Thank you. you. You too. Thank you for listening to Nathan Out Loud. Please be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at NathanOutloud, on Instagram at Nathan.OutLoud, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NathanOutLoudFans. If you have any comments, feedback, or would like to be a guest on the show, please be sure to email me at comments at NathanOutloud.com or call 802-32-BE-OUT. That is 802-322-3688. I will talk to you soon on the next episode of Nathan Out Loud. And in the meantime, come out, be out, live out loud.